And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew. And she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. For the next few minutes this morning, I want to speak to us on this thought. Moses only had one mother. Moses only had one mother. Can we pray together? Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. I'm asking you, Lord, to bless each and every mother, grandmother, every mother figure in this, home, in this place today. Lord, I'm asking God that you administer to us through your word. Let the seed of your word today fall upon the good ground of our heart. We give you thanks and we give you praise for your many blessings. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and greet them today in the house of the Lord and you can be seated. I was not raised in the church came from a non-religious background, a background where I would say that um, uh, was not an atheistic background, one where I would say that we believed in, in God in some way, but uh, as far as a, a spiritual upbringing, I did not have that. Yet in spite of all of those things, uh, I had a very good mother. Uh, my mother was a baker by trade, but she did work around three jobs to raise myself and uh, as well my, I have one biological sibling and two adopted siblings, and uh, they feel like biological siblings. They have been in our lives for so long, but I watched my mother uh, give of her time and of her treasure, and even at the very expense of her health, she gave constantly to see that we had everything that we needed and most of the things that we wanted. My mother passed away about 12 and a half months ago, and there were many preachers that came to my mother's uh, funeral. I mentioned it on this past Wednesday night. Though I was not raised in the church, I came into the church as a teenager with long hair, a headbanger stuck in the 80s rock scene. I tried to bring it into the 90s as best as I could, you know, and uh, it didn't work. It was a fad that didn't work. But, but yet, in spite of all of those things, my pastor taught me that soul winning was the most important ministry, not, not pulpit ministry, not having your name in marquee lights, but just being willing to sit down at a kitchen table or on a park bench or in a living room somewhere trying to win a soul by teaching them a home Bible study. And I was so thankful uh, that as a teenager, I was able to teach that Bible study to my mother. And she was the first soul that I won that repented of her sins, was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. My father soon followed, so I didn't stop there. I went to the next mother, the next most important mother in my life, my grandmother. This was my mom's mom. I went to my grandparents and taught them a home Bible study. 
and then was able to see my grandmother and my grandfather as well baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. So today, I I don't know if I'm a third generation apostolic or a first generation apostolic because I had a grandmother in the faith. I've got parents uh, in the faith. And then I'm in. I don't know if it's retroactive. I don't know if I'm first generation and my grandparents are third. I don't know how that works. Maybe you've got the answer to that, but it's confusing to me. But I remember uh, seeing my mother come into the church and how how well Uh, that she loved on our community, really showing the light uh, of the gospel through her love of of cooking for families that were in need. There was not a funeral that took place in our small town that my mother didn't go and prepare food for. Everyone knew who to reach out to if they needed something. That was the mother that I grew up with. And so when my mother died, there were so many preachers that were there uh, at her funeral Uh, Any one of them could have preached her funeral, uh, but as the family was discussing the funeral preparation uh, and the funeral home director said, who's going to officiate the funeral? I said, I am. And my family tried to talk me out of it. They said, Jeremy, it's going to be a tough one to get through. I said, I know, but I don't, I think that out of everyone, the one who has the right uh, to preach this funeral or more right to preach this funeral, is the one that she spanked at least three times a day. I was a very naughty child. Uh, I was into trouble all the time. I used to tell my kids that their grandmother used to spank me three times before breakfast. Why? Because she knew that there were going to be things that I was going to do that she wasn't going to see. So, uh, so she would spank me. Uh, before the fact, knowing uh, that, uh, and so then I would go and do the naughty things and, uh, and, and, and earn those spankings. And so my mother, uh, being a baker, I remember many times the things that kids had to go to the bakery for, uh, I got at home. So I got fresh donuts homemade. I got the fresh cookies and the fresh breads and all of that stuff made at home. And there's nothing like a nice homemade warm chocolate chip cookie. Can I get an amen today? Oh, I am compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses in the house today. So when those rascals would come out of the oven at home, I didn't like to wait for them to cool down. If they didn't break whenever you're trying to eat them, they're no good. They're not fresh enough. You, you've got to get it to where it's going everywhere. And my sister and I, uh, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't get into them, but I would. And my mother would bring us in. She'd say, who got into the cookies already? She would look at my sister and say, was it you? And my older sister would say, no, 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 it wasn't me. And she would look at me and say, was it you? With a smile on her face, I'd say, no, mom, I had chocolate all over my face. <laughs> wasn't me, mommy. I was raised by a very loving mother. I was blessed uh, and fortunate in seeing my beautiful wife here today who has been such a faithful, loving wife and servant of God and mother to our five children. I was blessed to be in the room when all five of our children were born. And every time makes me nervous. You'd think after a little while it would become old hat, but it's not. I've seen miracles all over this world, miracles of healing and deliverance. But I declare the greatest miracle that I have ever seen is seeing a soul born into this world. And as well then seeing the mother 
birthed that child into this world and the smile, all of the pain that they go through fades in an instant when they see the face of that little baby. And I remember we were, we were living in India uh, during the time of uh, when my wife was carrying actually our first two uh, children. But when we received news that uh, she was carrying our first one, our little Asia, who's now 12 years old, I remember uh, we learned of that when we were actually in Thailand. Uh, we were uh, on a few days layover between travels from Burma to India back to our home there. And uh, my wife said, I, I think I may be with child. Well, in my mind, I thought, nah, there's, uh, I don't think so. And, and my wife came out of that test, and she came out nodding her head, smiling from ear to ear. And I said, no. And she said, yes. And I said, no. And she said, yes. And I said, I feel faint. <laughs> and it was legit. Like, I, I thought I was going to go down. And I had to run into the bathroom. I was terribly ill. I got ill when she told me that. And um, then I, we went to a uh, restaurant. Amazing. You know, in India, they worship cows. So there's no Burger Kings there. Well, they have Burger Kings in Thailand. Folks, you take advantage of that fact when you're traveling through Thailand and you're living in India. So we went to a Burger King and sat down. And I was sitting there at this burger I've been looking forward to for months started to uh, eat our lunch that day and a family came and sat down next to us and uh, they had a little squacker in their arms and my wife was smiling. She said, that's going to be us in just a few months. I got up from the table, went to the bathroom sick again. My wife never had morning sickness through her pregnancies. But every few days I had to excuse myself to the bathroom sicker than a dog. Sympathy pains are real, dear church family. Sympathy pains are real. And so this was the situation, and I am so grateful uh, to see uh, my five children, two of which have already been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. What a great, great testimony that that is. We all have our stories and our testimonies of our mothers and that mother figure in our lives. And folks, those are invaluable. They are absolutely priceless memories. And the lessons that we have been taught, these are things that we should most definitely pass down to our children. But as I begin to think about the wonderful mothers that we read about in the scripture, I cannot help but think about the mother of Moses. I want you to think about how powerful of a mother she must have been. We know that her name, according to the book of Numbers, is Yaakoved. Yaakoved uh, was a mother that, in spite of her circumstances, birthed very three powerful individuals. One was a worship leader, another was high priest, and another was the prophet of God. What a wonderful mother that these three individuals must have had to be influenced to live for God and to serve God in such distinct fashions. So the Bible tells us about Yaakoved. In fact, we read something very interesting in the scripture in the book of Genesis. The Bible tells us that 70 souls entered into, Hebrew souls entered into Egypt along with Jacob, our father. 
And we find that then a list is given of the names of those individuals. However, there are only 69 names that are listed. So the old scholars, and I'm talking pre-Messianic scholars, recorded in Jewish history that that 70th soul was actually that of Yaakoved, who lived to be a very old age. That Yaakoved actually was born right at the border of Egypt. And so, although there were 69 names that were mentioned by the time that they crossed over into Egypt, Yaakoved represented that 70th soul. And it's an interesting thing, because we know... With regards to any mother, whether we're talking about Yaakoved, the mother of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, or we're talking about mothers in contemporary times, we can sum it all up in this, and that is motherhood is a mission all by itself. Some of you who pray for missionaries both at home as well as abroad, well, mothers, I want to tell you today, your life is that of a great mission that you cannot put a price upon. This mission that you have been called to requires wisdom as well as back-breaking work. In fact, I heard a statistic many years ago that if mothers were paid on the hour for all of the work that they do, cooking, cleaning, uh, uh, being the family Uber driver. Hello? We know how that is. All of these things that mothers would be millionaires. But I want to tell you, they are worth millions to every family that has a mother that understands her mission. Yaakoved was required to navigate tumultuous times that she lived in. By the time that Moses was born, the scripture declares to us that there was a death sentence upon all Hebrew children that was mandated by Pharaoh himself. It was an infanticide. When Yaakoved saw her little Moses born into a world where all of the infants were being slaughtered, she saw something about him that was interesting, something that was powerful. Now, I always tell my students all the time we have to pay close attention to every word. When the Bible tells us that she saw he was a goodly child, we have to ask the question, what was it that she saw? Because I can tell you right now, when I saw all five of my children for the first time, they could have been born purple, with green lips, and orange hair, and an arm growing out of their forehead. And I would have said, look at that baby. Looks just like their daddy. It's love at first sight, church family. We understand that. But when the scripture says that she saw that he was a goodly child, so she hid him for three months, the scholars declare that what it was that she saw was possibly one of two things or maybe both at the same time. There is an idea by ancient scholars that he was already born with the circumcision. Some have said that she noticed that and said there's something special about him. Some have said that when he was born, that the Shekinah glory of God was shining all about him. And then others who choose the middle ground say perhaps it was both. 
But whatever it was that she saw in him, she saw something powerful when she saw him. And she said, perhaps this is going to be a child that God is going to use greatly in his kingdom. And so, hallelujah. And so the Bible then gives us some very specific uh, information about Pharaoh's decree. At first, the Bible says that Pharaoh declared, let all of the male Hebrew children be killed. A few verses later, though, it becomes more specific. It says that he kind of changed it just from killing them to drowning them. And the reason that this is is because scholars have said that uh, that the prophets and the priests of Pharaoh, these, these evil magicians, said the only way that you can kill the potential Hebrew deliverer is by killing him with water. This is the only way that you can actually snuff out the life of the uh, coming prophet and the coming deliverer to the Hebrew children. So they were being thrown into the Nile River. And so the Bible tells us that she saw, that Yaakov had saw, I can no longer keep this child in my house. I've, I've, got, I've got to let him go. Even though he was young, even though all of the odds were weighed against him, she said, I can no longer hide him in my home. I've got to let him go. So the scripture declares to us, church family, that she made a little ark and that she waterproofed it with pitch. She wo wove together this little basket and she laid him inside. And then she does the unthinkable. She puts him into the Nile River. Mind you, this Nile River was the same river that was prophesied to destroy the Hebrew children. But she realized, my son... It has to be just like every other Hebrew child. Every child has to go into the river. I've got to let him go right now. But she said, while I've got him in my care, I have to prepare an ark for him. Even though every other child is being thrown into the river without an ark, while I have him in my care, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that my child is safe from these waters. Can I say to you mothers today, can I say to you grandmothers today, can I say to you spiritual mothers today, Every one of our children someday have to be let go in the river of this world. But while we have them in our care, let us prepare an ark for them. That ark is the church of the living God. The most powerful thing that you can do to protect your babies is to raise them in the church of the living God. The only way that they're going to be protected from this tumultuous world, this sinful and evil world that we live in, is to get them in the ark while they are in our care. You're going to have to let them go someday, Mama. Someday you're going to have to turn them loose. And when that day comes, 
Let it be that you've done everything that you could do to prepare that little ark. It might seem insignificant. It might seem like that you're dealing with very limited resources. But I want to tell you there is no price that you can put on the life of a child being raised in the church of the living God. Being raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord our God. It is priceless. The Hebrew word, as she hid him, is translated amazingly as treasure. She treasured him that much that she hid him while she could, but she also treasured him so much she would put that treasure in that little ark. Dear church family, this is what God has called us to do with our babies, to treasure them. Treasure them so much that we want to see them saved. It was no doubt for Yaakovet it was a very difficult thing for her to do. At some point we know we can only protect our children in our own home for so long. There is a day that we have to release them. This is a powerful example of what a mother can do to literally, and I want you to hear me, literally transform the world. Her choice to hide him while she could and prepare an ark for him when she couldn't literally transformed this present world. Can you imagine today what this world would be like had Yaakovet not built that little ark for Moses? Can you imagine today a world without Moses? Can you imagine if there was no deliverer to the children of Israel to come out of the land of Egypt? Could you imagine without Moses there would be no law to serve as a schoolmaster that would ultimately lead us to the Messiah, our great God and Savior Jesus, God manifested in the flesh? Can you imagine a world, the world that we would live in? You think it's bad now. Think about it with Without Moses. Think about it if Moses had been cast into that Nile without a little ark. All of this weight was resting upon the shoulders of one mother who said, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. I know that the odds are weighed out against me, but no, I have a calling. I have a commission. And if I've got to build a little ark, I'm going to do it. It might seem little. It might seem like a waste of time, but I see there's something good in my baby. I see there's something there that God can use. I see there's something there that could possibly change this world. I see there's something there that could completely transform the lives of my people. It's hard to conceive what all of posterity would look like had she not done this one simple action. So the Bible tells us that Pharaoh's daughter took him out of the water. She saw that ark and she noticed this was a Hebrew child. And it's interesting because after she took him out of the water, the Bible tells us that Miriam was nearby. And Miriam, in great wisdom, said, can I go get a Hebrew nurse for you? Well, who do you think the sister of Moses got? Yaakovet. And so here comes Yaakovet into the palaces of Pharaoh's daughter and actually got, still got to nurse the same Moses that she bore. 
But I can guarantee you one thing. As all of Egypt was completely steeped in idolatry, as she was nursing that baby, rocking that baby, changing that baby, she was probably saying, there is only one God, the God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and He only shall you worship. Can you imagine the time that she had, which we believe was five years, that she had to teach Moses about the oneness of God? I can imagine that she took advantage of every moment of time that she had. I am so thankful today for godly mothers that will teach their babies the word of God. There is not a day that goes by that either my wife or myself pray with our children. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy might we pray it with them in English as well as in Hebrew and the reason that we do this is because of all the things that are going on in this world I want to make sure that my babies know that there's one God and that we are commanded to love that God with everything that we have with every bit of our strength and I can believe that Yaakov was doing this very same thing to Moses, the great teacher. So the genuine hero of the story of Moses was his mama. The genuine hero of this entire narrative in the scripture was Yaakoved. It was she who literally had the future of the Hebrews as well as all succeeding generations weighing on her shoulders. The book of Exodus is such a powerful demonstration of what a mother can do with little resources, but with great faith. Like Moses, everyone must be released into this world. And we know that the currents of our world were designed to destroy us. Nevertheless, this world is not without a hope. We are the church of the living God. We have been planted in this present generation and mothers we cannot do what God has commissioned us to do without you you might say well I'm not a preacher I'm not a Sunday school teacher but the fact is you're all of those things you've been called to teach the word of God to your babies You've been called to give them their Bible lessons, to go over their memory verses with them, to pray with them, to love them, to encourage them, to build that ark for them. And someday, whenever you let them go, it's going to be in faith, believing that God is going to keep them in the truth, in the gospel that was once delivered unto the saints. So the Bible tells us, as we think about Moses, it's an interesting fact that when Pharaoh's daughter took him out of the water, she actually named him Moshe, which means in Hebrew, drawn out of water, taken out of water. What a powerful testimony that was. The fact that his name was actually his testimony. His name was a testimony of what God can do. The thing that was prophesied to destroy Moses, 
became his name Moshe, drawn out of water to remind him every day of his life what could have been, but what wasn't. And the reason, because he had a mother that made an ark for him. Now, that's not the end of the story. Because Moses had a lifelong nemesis. It wasn't Pharaoh. It really wasn't even Satan, Satan. Moses had a lifelong enemy. And I want you to think about this lifelong enemy, if you would. His enemy, from the very beginning of his life, was water. Water. Water was designed to kill him from the beginning. They get to the Red Sea. Water. Facing him down again. And can you imagine somebody walking up to him and saying, Moses, what are we going to do? It was a reminder. As soon as he heard his name, I've been drawn out of water before the Holy Ghost today. And God's going to draw me out of water again. Three days after the Red Sea, they come to a place called Mara, thirsty, needing water. But what did they face? Bitter waters. Once again, the enemy to Moses. But God showed him a tree. He cast the tree into the waters. They became sweet. Once again, the enemy was water. Even if we go forward a little further in the scripture, we find that the children of Israel were thirsty, complaining to Moses. And what did Moses do? He got angry. They wanted water. And what did he do? He hit the rock. But it was because he didn't believe him that he ultimately got punished, right? What was his enemy at this day as well? It was water. But God told him, because you didn't believe me, you're not going to get to go into the Holy Land. This was his punishment because he didn't speak to the rock. He hit the rock. Now, did he ever get to go into the Holy Land? Well, God told him, you're not going to lead them into the Holy Land, but he did get there on the Mount of Transfiguration, which Brother V, you and I have seen it from the Lebanon side of the border, as well from the Israel side of the border. It's right there at the, at the border of Israel and Lebanon, the Mount of Transfiguration. He eventually did get there, but in that case, he had to be in the presence of the living water. All of this was made possible because a mother said, I'm going to make sure that you're taken out of this water and it is going to be a testimony unto you for generations to come. God can do it for you once. He'll do it for you again. Plain and simple. This is the great thing about God. This is the great thing about the influence of holy mothers and what God can do through one humble individual who will be absolutely bent on making sure that their children have the very best in God. So the scripture declares to us that Yaakoved, making this little ark for her son, 
at the age of five when she could no longer nurse him. The scripture declares to us, or rather history declares to us, that she had to let him go once again. Now he was going to be raised in a world that was sinful, in a world that was surrounded by idolatry, that was surrounded by false doctrine, that was surrounded by polytheism. And he was also at that point going to learn how to call a woman who worshipped all of these things, mom. A woman who was not his true mother, he called mom. But there is no doubt that in his mind, he had memories of this woman who sang to him, nursed him, taught him, And there was something that was pulling inside of his heart. So the Bible tells us that there came a day in the life of Moses himself. Hebrews 11 and 24 declares to us, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There came a time still in the life of Moses where he had a choice. He could call the mother that was an idolater, the mother that was a pagan. He could have called a sinful woman his mother or he could remember the very mother that gave birth to him, that taught him the truth. And when he came of age, he remembered which one was right. He remembered who he was. And so when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want to talk to some of you mamas today who have children that are backslidden. Children that maybe have walked away from the truth. Children who maybe today are calling Pharaoh's daughter mama. I want to give you a word of encouragement. I believe there's coming a day when they're going to remember what you taught them. I believe there's coming a day where they're going to make a choice and they're going to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Come on somebody. I want to encourage you today. God is for you mamas. God is with you. You have an anointing upon you that men do not have. that fathers do not have that has been reserved for every mother figure in this place the anointing of the Lord is upon you today what a great reminder Moses brought out of water all because what a mother had done in his life but then think about how God worked with Yaakov she wasn't out there on a limb by herself In fact, I get an idea that God kind of tipped his proverbial hat to Yaakov because when he poured out the ten plagues upon the Egyptians, the Bible tells us that the first plague that was poured out in Egypt was upon what? The water. The Nile River was turned to blood. God was letting the Egyptians know you prophesied that this river was going to kill the deliverer of my people. You threw my people into this. So let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill your river. That river that you worship, I'm going to kill everything in it. 
It's going to become blood. It's going to become death. But he didn't stop there. Even the cups of water and the bottles of water in the houses of the Egyptians also turned to blood. An entire plague upon the waters of the Egyptians. God is very specific. He does nothing by accident. God said the first order of business is going to be, I'm going to strike a plague upon the waters of Egypt because it was those waters that were prophesied to destroy my people. But I'm thankful. I'm so thankful today that in spite of the waters of Egypt, there was a mama who said, I'm going to build an ark for my baby. I'm going to protect my baby. And I believe that someday God is going to work with me and God is going to work for me. If I could say to you today, mothers, some of you, maybe like my mother, got in church later in life. Maybe your kids were already raised. Maybe they're mostly raised and you're thinking, I've lost so much time to raise my babies in the truth and to do things right in my home. But if I could tell you today, it is never too late to make a mark upon your family. It's never too late to impact your children and your grandchildren. In fact, I would tell you, you can start today. It's never too late to start weaving together an ark for your babies and for your grandbabies. It's never too late. You can start today. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, Yaakov Moses only had one mother. You're the mother in your home. This is your chance. This is the only shot that you get. We've got to do it right. We've got to do it right. God is with us. God is for us. You can do it. Perhaps you've not yet begun to weave together that little ark of bulrushes to put your children in. But be of good cheer. God is with you today. He's in this house today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in that same God, there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If he did it for Yaakov, if he did it for Moses, let me tell you, God is here with you today. He's with your babies today. No matter if they're in the house of God with you or if they're out in sin somewhere, I want to declare to you, God is with you. God has heard your prayers. God is going to minister and He's going to answer. Today is a new day. You can start today. You can lead your children in spite of the times that have been prophesied to destroy them. The currents of this world that are trying to completely wipe them out. I want to tell you, even if you feel like that you have lost, you've not yet lost. God is with you. He hears you and He is going to answer. Lastly, today, as you're standing in this house, thank you. Am I getting us out of here on time? Oh, yeah. We, we, we're going to get to the restaurant early today. Mmm. That roast isn't going to burn. Moses embraced his only mother. She birthed him, nursed him, saw goodliness in him but ultimately she provided a groundwork foundations are so important a groundwork to save 
him that would ultimately liberate a nation, church family. Now, water followed Moses throughout his life, as we know, as an enemy. But something else followed Moses throughout his life. The name Yahweh in Hebrew means glory of God. That's what her name means. His mother's name means glory of God. Now you start to flip through the life of Moses penned on parchment in the Torah. In the first five books of your Bible, you will see many places where it speaks of the glory of the Lord was with Moses. The glory of the Lord appeared to Moses. In fact, sometimes the very face of God is called his glory in the Hebrew. And Moses asked to see it. He was hungry for that glory. He was hungry for the face of God. Where did all of this come from? Could it be that the glory of God that also followed Moses throughout his life was that thumbprint of Yaakov that she left upon his life. She knew the waters aren't going to stop at the Nile. They're going to keep fighting him. They're going to keep opposing him. And the only way is you've got to have some glory. With Yaakov knew someday I'm going to die. Someday I'm not going to be there with him. But my fingerprint, the glory of God, can still be with him, can still appear unto him, no doubt. It was the fingerprint of a godly, faithful, and courageous mama who said, I'm going to raise him right. I'm going to do it the best that I can. But at the end of the day, whenever my heart stops beating, let Yaakov, the glory of God, follow him all the days of his life. And we know that God was faithful and did exactly that, church family. The glory of the Lord appeared. I'm believing today that the prayer of some mother in this place today that you've been praying for and that you've not yet seen come to pass, I believe that the ear of heaven is open to the supplications that will be made in this place today before we leave. And God is going to do great and mighty things through the prayer of some mother today. Let the glory of the Lord appear to your Moses today, Mama. To your Miriam today. To your Aaron today. Let the glory of the Lord appear unto them because of the work and the labor of love that you have put into their spiritual well-being. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place speaking to some mother in this house. Mama, I hear you. I hear God saying to someone today, Mama, you keep praying. You keep working. You keep reading that Bible. You keep teaching the Word of God to your babies. You keep believing. You keep building that ark. God is with you. His glory is with you.
Can we lift our hands heavenward in this house today? Can we lift our hands heavenward? Whatever's on your heart today, worship team, just go right ahead. Mama, I want to invite you to come and pray again. I want you to come today with that ark of bulrushes today that maybe you're still working on, that you're still weaving, that you're still putting that pitch and that slime in today. You're trying to waterproof that thing because you know, you know that the waters are against your babies. Would you come today? Come on, dear sister. Come on, mother. Come on, grandmother. Come on, spiritual mother. Here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. Come and pray for those babies one more time. Mother, maybe you'd like to bring your son or your daughter with you today to this altar to pray that God would be upon them, that His glory would appear unto them. That would be in order today. That's it. Go ahead. Go ahead. God is with you. God is with you. The water's designed to destroy your babies. God's going to kill it. God's going to turn it to blood today. Oh, that's it. Mother of some backslidden child today. Mother of one who's maybe embraced false doctrine or embraced hopelessness or embraced addiction. I have good news for you today. God is alive. He's heard your prayer. And there's coming a day soon that they're going to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's it. Go ahead. Go ahead in the name of Jesus. That's it, Mama. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Go ahead in the name of Jesus. That's it, Mother. Go ahead. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Go ahead. Oh, Jesus. Every mother, every grandmother, every spiritual mother. Lord, I'm praying your anointing rest upon each one freshly today. Let the gift of faith well up in each one. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Weave that little basket today. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forget about the time that you've wasted. Forget about the time that you've lost. It's a new day. It's a new day. And God is going to restore everything that's been lost. Go ahead, Yaakovet. You've got time today. Moses has only got one mother. You're the only shot. You're the only chance. You can do it today. God is with you. God hears you. Hallelujah, Jesus. My God, thank you for every mother in this house. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Oh, yes, Lord.
Take some time and pray. The Spirit of the Lord is moving here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. declaration of faith and confidence when you say amen or 
amen. What you're saying is it is done. And I'm going to tell you that in this world, it almost feels impossible, doesn't it? I, I was about almost exactly a year ago, I was in Egypt. We baptized a pastor in Jesus' name. I was in Egypt for about 30 hours. The baptism took 10 minutes. The pyramids took three hours. I was there about 27 hours too long. But I was on a camel riding around those pyramids. Thousands of years later, they're still there. That culture has left a mark even now. Can you imagine that now we go there to see the pyramids and all that? Can you imagine what it must have been like in the time of Jochebed when she's trying to raise her children? And everywhere she looks, there's Egyptian soldiers, Egyptian architecture, Egyptian chariots. Do you think she ever got to the point where she felt there is no way I can raise my children to know the true God when I'm surrounded by all of this but yet when the Red Sea parted every one of her kids walked out Moses said we're not even, we're not leaving not one of our kids behind in Egypt when we go they all go with us let me tell you in this generation with culture invading every area of life if you'll live for God and be a worshiper and be faithful and be a prayer warrior and be holy and live for God not one of our children we don't have to leave any one of them behind amen you ought to say amen God I'm declaring it to be so I'm declaring it for my family I'm declaring it for my children I'm declaring it for my boys and girls in Jesus name you ought to say amen I claim that promise over my family. In Jesus' name.